0: Let's begin with this, when we discuss with atheists, we commonly have two kind of arguments and it's based on something we were just talking about in class, suffering. And atheists will say this, if we know that suffering exists, right, there's war, famine, disease. Earthquakes, natural disasters, you name it. There is suffering in the world. So if God exists, God is either too weak and not able to stop it, or if He's capable of stopping the suffering and He doesn't, then He's certainly cruel and unloving. Their conclusion is... Either God can stop it and doesn't, so he's mean, he lets it happen, he lets children starve to death on the street, he lets lets people die of cancer, he could stop that. He lets wars happen, he doesn't stop that. Or maybe God is just, he's just not powerful enough. Maybe he can't stop it. Maybe he just created it and it's happening and so they give these arguments. Now, of course, we in the church answer that based on Scripture. Number one, yes, suffering exists. There's, there's no argument there. Nobody would try to say that suffering doesn't exist. So we, we, we admit everything from war to famine to natural disasters to disease, it's all there. And there is no if God exists. We know and believe absolutely both by reason and faith that God is. Amen? There's, there's no doubt for us. God exists. God is. Um we do now take a step back and say, well, where did all this suffering come from? And we go back to the Garden of Eden and say what God created, obviously, was without suffering. There was no no disease, there was no death, there was no pain, there was no suffering in the Garden of Eden. And when Adam and Eve sinned, death, sickness, disease, corruption, all of that came in. So, we, 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 we explain the origin of all the suffering. We're at fault, right? And all of creation was affected by it. Everything. The universe that God created was not like this. The world he created was not like this. But as it says, and I'm going to read through a bunch of scriptures, Romans 8.20, For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption, And obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Paul is simply saying, when Adam and Eve sinned, not only did they change, all of creation changed. Disease started happening. Um, Adam and Eve were in the garden, naked, no clothes. Mosquitoes didn't bite them. Okay, It was different. And the curse that happened when God cursed the ground, now, instead of just vegetables and fruit and all the good stuff, it produces weeds and thorns and and, and bad things. All of that happened. And that curse, this is important, everybody, and I'm going to go through this quickly, the decay that exists in the world, the curse, all of that, stays until God remakes heaven and earth. Listen, Revelation 22, 3. No longer will there be any curse. This is after he's made new heaven and new earth, okay? Until then, the mosquitoes aren't going anywhere. Earthquakes are going to continue to happen. Disease, viruses, and bacteria will be in this world until God remakes it. It's a fact of life. It's just a fact. Here's the thing, believers are not exempt from that. Um, Anybody get ants in their home? Mice? Anybody been bitten by a mosquito in the last year? That's an expect of the fall. Just because you're a believer doesn't make you exempt from that. Anybody get hungry? Those are are created events. We are subject to the curse of the fall until we get to heaven. That is important to remember. Many things that the world experiences. If an earthquake happens and a building falls, it's not that the Christians suddenly are protected. And the building fell on everybody and the Christians just stood there. And they were okay. When a flood happens, believers and unbelievers are in the water. Now, sometimes God does miraculously provide protection. Sometimes he doesn't. Right now, there are Christians in the Ukraine dying because of the war that's happening that they have no control over. It doesn't matter that they're believers, war exists, suffering exists, and we are part of this world, and when it happens around us, it happens to us. Sometimes God miraculously intervenes and sometimes He doesn't. We'll leave that for now. Now what we also say is that we know that your, well God may not be able to stop it, is absolutely wrong. God has all power, all might. He is almighty God. He is sovereign. He is perfectly capable. He is absolutely within his power and right. He rules heaven and earth. If he wanted to stop it today, it would stop. What's interesting is there is going to be a day he's going to stop it. He's going to suddenly appear in the sky and say, no more, you're done. No more war. No more disease. No more dying. No more killing. No more robbing. No more raping. No more stealing. It's all done. Your time of sinning is over. But until that day comes... Until the day comes when he stops it, and by the way, that's the final harvest. Until that day, God can stop it, listen to me, but chooses not to. Now, why does he choose not to? Listen to Matthew. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And he said, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up, pull out the tares? But he said, no, lest while you're gathering up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barns. Then he explains it in verse 39. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire... So will it be at the end of the age. It's all at the end of the age. So the Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. Ouch. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So, what that is saying is very simply this. No, God is not incapable of stopping it. He absolutely can stop it. He chooses not to for the time being. He's given a certain amount of time. Why? As Paul said, because he's patient and wants as many as possible to be saved. And I'll just make the simple point. Are any of you under 100 years old? Everybody but Dr. A. Do you realize if Jesus had finally said, I've had enough, it's over a hundred years ago, you wouldn't go to heaven because you wouldn't exist? It's a good thing God has not come back yet. Do I want him to come back? Absolutely. But I'm glad he decided to come back after my children got saved. See, when we look at it in the big picture, God has a plan and a purpose. He knows what he's doing and his timing is perfect. And the unsaved people, the atheists, are going, well, God isn't stopping it, why not? Well, because he's waiting for the number of those who will be saved to be filled. And then he says, okay, we're good, we're done. I'm finished, no more. That's just a fact of life. Now, this is very important. The other objection. If God doesn't stop it, he obviously is not loving and cruel. Okay, We know and we believe absolutely, without a doubt, 100%, that even though he's allowing evil men to do evil things and that innocent people suffer, even though we're in a fallen world and he's not yet saying the harvest is ripe and it's not the time, even though that is true, that does not mean he's not loving, compassionate, caring, and good. Right? We know that God is good no matter what. We know that God is good and loving and compassionate and caring Now, here's the question. Do you believe that God is always good, merciful, loving, compassionate, and caring? Think carefully about your answer. When an innocent child dies of cancer, is God good? See, this is what we, in order to see and understand the whole picture, you have to understand that the goodness of God is not determined by the suffering that exists in this world that we cause. He allows us to cause it right now. He allows it to happen right now. And He will make up for it. He will reward those who have suffered. And they will have an eternity of the most amazing peace and joy and happiness that you can imagine. With no crying, no pain, no tears, no suffering, no sadness. There will be no sadness. But for right now, we can't look at God and go, Well, because this, obviously you're not good. And this applies to healing, by the way. It does. Because people will judge God's goodness and whether or not He loves me based on what He does in my life. We base God's goodness on the Scriptures. The Scriptures say God is loving, good, compassionate, caring, merciful, kind, slow to anger, gracious, and merciful. If that is true, it's always true. It's always true if you have, if you're rich or if you're poor. If you live in this country or you live in a country where you're living on the street. I don't care where you are and what your circumstance is. I don't care if you're in health or if you're in sickness. I don't care if you're happy or you're sad. I don't care if you're married or you're single. I don't care if you have a good wife or a bad wife. God still loves you. I have a good wife. Just saying. God loves you. So I'm just I'm, just establishing, I'm establishing the fact that the day of judgment is coming. The evil men will pay for their sins. They're not getting away with it. Temporarily. For now. God is allowing it. They're not getting away with it. When they stand in front of the judge of the universe. And he pronounces eternal damnation. That's not getting away with it. So just don't judge God like that. So God allowing persecution. Pain and suffering. Caused by ungodly men. Doesn't mean he's cruel. Doesn't mean he's not loving. I just have to say it. Peter and John get arrested. I'm sorry, Peter and James get arrested. James is brought before Herod and beheaded. Peter has an angel sent to him, and miraculously his chains fall off. And miraculously, the door is open. And miraculously, none of the guards wake up. And they go, come to the gate of the city and it opens by itself. And Peter's like, this is a vision. He doesn't even know it's real. What about James? What what, 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 wait a minute. James could be up there like, okay. You sent him an angel. You did all these miracles. He's free. He's at a prayer meeting. Ah, uh, did God love James less? Can we base God's compassion and love on what he allowed to happen to James? Why didn't he send an angel for James? Actually, I'll just be honest with you. James is in a better place. James actually got his reward early. We look at it differently. Oh, poor James. But he had it. Oh, my goodness. He's dead. (laughs) Peter's saved. James is up there in heaven going... (laughs) Peter, I'm up here and you're down there. Who got the better deal? But that's another subject. So the point is this. When God allows His children to suffer at the hands of the ungodly, sinful men in this world, He doesn't stop loving them. He hasn't abandoned them. When persecution occurs, when James and John, I'm sorry, when Peter and John were arrested and beaten God didn't suddenly go, I don't care. He loved them just as much. God loves you as much when you're in the prayer meeting worshiping him as he does when you're in prison for your faith. It doesn't change. We have to get these things established. If you don't have these things, none of it makes sense. None of it makes sense. So I'm just establishing the points. So pain, suffering, affliction, trials, listen, are sometimes allowed by God. In the lives of believers who are full of faith and full of power and full of the Holy Spirit, look at Stephen. Doing miracles, preaching the gospel, it says he was full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, it says he was full of power, he was doing miracles, and he gets stoned. Paul, on the other hand, he gets shipwrecked, he survives. He gets bitten by a poisonous snake, he survives. He gets stoned, he survives. Come on. God didn't love Stephen any less. He allowed him to die for his faith because that was God's choice, but it doesn't change the love of God. We can't base God's goodness and love on our circumstances and even on suffering that he may allow in our life. And I've heard that argument by secular people and by Christians for years. Obviously, God isn't loving because I'm suffering. Suffering equals a mean, cruel God. Not true. So let's get rid of that to begin with. So, okay. The big question is this, not counting persecution, war, and natural disasters. Here's the question, are normal sicknesses, diseases, and injuries, you fall down, you break your leg, you get in a car accident, injuries, the ones that Christians get, are they always meant to be supernaturally healed by God? That's an important question, and this is a a big issue. This is something that's very difficult for Christians to talk about because there are two sides, there are two camps. But I just want you to know, the doctrine that, and I quote, it is always God's will to heal supernaturally every time. That's a quote. Didn't exist until the 1940s. It was never said in church history. Not one person ever said it until the 1940s. That's important to know. Does God always intend supernatural, divine, miraculous healing every time a believer comes to Him in faith? That's an important question. Is it always God's will to supernaturally heal every sickness and injury every time? Well, does God promise Christians perfect health? Hmm. Before I answer, I'm going to make two qualifying Statements. One is that on this topic, the scriptures do not directly say. There is no verse that says it is always God's will to heal supernaturally every time, and there's no verse that says it is not God's will to supernaturally heal every time. The scriptures are not perfectly clear. We must draw conclusions and we must make doctrines based on our best understanding of the scriptures as a whole that we can, and unfortunately, it's not directly written, therefore, we are going to disagree. People, godly, genuine, faith-filled, spirit-filled, godly men and women will understand it differently. And that's okay. That's okay. So I just want to make it clear. You cannot open your Bible. And believe me, I know that book. The reason I'm teaching this is because I know that book and I know this doctrine. There is no way to prove one way or the other absolutely definitively in Scripture that everyone will look at it and go, Oh, yeah, it's right there. It's written. God is good. It's written. Christ died for our sins. It's written. There's no debate. It's written. This is not directly written. The answer to that question is not written. The second qualifier is this. I, my wife, Dr. Antonelli, and as far as I know, every staff member at Elam, absolutely 100% believes in supernatural divine healing. None of us have any doubt that the gift of healing continues today, that God continues to supernaturally heal, we all are absolutely convinced that God wants to heal, does heal, has been healing, and will continue to heal. That is not a question. I personally have seen a man who was born blind and was in his 40s, prayed for, and he immediately saw. I've seen a child who was about 10 years old who had cerebral palsy, was all locked up in metal and um, leather braces, could not stand normally. They praised him up, prayed for him, They took off that thing and he was perfectly normal. I have seen miracles. I have prayed for people who were sick. I have seen them healed. I prayed for one man who had a stroke, was completely paralyzed. A month later, he was riding his bicycle. God did a miracle. The sign of the the x-ray showed a huge spot in his brain. They took the x-ray again, whatever it was, CT. They took the scan again the next morning and it was completely gone. God did a miracle. I've prayed for people, one man who stuttered horribly, prayed for him, never stuttered again. Another couple who was addicted to cigarettes for 30 some years and they were instantly, no, absolutely no withdrawal, no effect, Stop smoking. Miracles happen, healing happens, deliverance happens. There's not a doubt. None of us here are trying to say, oh, we don't know, maybe God will, maybe he won't, we don't know, maybe it happens. We believe in divine healing, we believe that the power of God is still present active, and available to us, and God does heal. The question is, does He always heal? So, I'm going to say that in my understanding, no, He does not. Always, supernaturally, instantly, heal miraculously with divine power. Let me tell you why, before you stone me to death. Number one, I believe that sometimes God will use medicine and doctors instead of the miraculous power. Okay? Paul said to Timothy, no longer drink only water. Okay, Dr. A, I can't say this because Elam has a policy, but I'm going to read it anyway. Okay, I know we have a policy. Okay, but use a little grape juice for the sake of your stomach and frequent ailments because Elamites do not drink wine. Um, what is Paul saying? Why didn't Paul just say, your frequent ailments, God will heal you. He said, hey, the water you're drinking isn't all that good. It's a little contaminated. He didn't know about bacteria, but they knew that it wasn't good. Hey, that wine will kill whatever it is. You just, don't, not a lot, don't get drunk, just a little wine. A little grape juice, orange juice. White grape juice, white grape juice. Okay, so I do believe that there are times when God will give the doctor the ability. There are times when God wants to use doctors and medicine. There are times when He doesn't, there are times when He wants to heal. Miraculously, supernaturally, there are other times what he said to Timothy makes sense. And actually, why would the Apostle Paul himself, who took, they took aprons from his body and people were healed. Why that man would say to Timothy, hey, you're frequently ill in your stomach. Uh, You should drink a little wine from time to time. That'll get rid of that. It's medicine. So when people say God always supernaturally heals, I'm like, wait a minute. Not necessarily because it's not always needed. It's not always needed. Secondly, and I'll make this point very quickly, sometimes the thing that's needed is obedience. Common sense, proper behavior. Brother, we know each other, don't we? Do you like pizza? Do you like cookies? Potato chips? Man after my own heart. (laughs) Godly man right there. Now, If he only eats potato chips, cookies, and pizza, and nothing else for six months, what do you think he's going to feel like? And then he comes to the chapel and he says, you need to pray for my healing. (laughs) Even if God touched him and suddenly took all those cholesterol and all those clogging out of his arteries and everything started, in six months he'll be right back in the same place sometimes God will say, ah, you're being stupid and your lifestyle is horrible and you need to feed yourself, take care of yourself. You haven't exercised, eaten properly, or done anything good for your body in so long and you want me to heal you? Why is your immune system so weak? Sometimes healing supernaturally is not needed. I had a boy come to our church. Father brought him in, 14, 12, 14 years old. His father was... Like this boy has headaches, severe headaches, blinding headaches. Every day in school, we've gone to the doctor. They can't solve it. We don't know what to do. We need healing. So we take him into the office. We sit him down. We say, okay. The elders gather around. And as we start praying, we always prayed first for discernment. And while we were praying for discernment to know how to pray, God spoke to me and spoke to one of my elders who just opened his eyes and looked at me and I knew. And he came over and he said in my ear the exact thing God told me. The kid was wearing glasses. And God said to me, when he goes to school, he takes them off. So I stopped the prayer and I said to him, by his name, we'll call him George because I like George. George, if you don't wear your glasses, it's going to make your head hurt. I always wear my glasses. I said, George. And his father, this big guy standing behind him, he was sitting in a chair and his father kind of slammed his hands down on his shoulders and said, boy. (laughs) And the kid goes. They made fun of me a lot. They call me four eyes. They say I look stupid. They say my glasses are thick. I don't want to be made fun of. So when I go to school, I put them in my locker. Healing wasn't needed. Now, was his head hurting? Yes. He started wearing his glasses and his headaches went away. All I'm saying is sometimes God will use natural obedience To heal us. So if you automatically just go, well, okay, right now, we're just going to pray. That headache is going away in Jesus' name. Wait a minute. If it goes away today, it'll be back on Tuesday because he's still not wearing his glasses. So what, do we pray again on Tuesday, and then it comes back on Thursday, and we pray again on Thursday? No, no. Start wearing your Simple point. I also see in the scriptures, and this is debatable. Where's Aaron? We've debated this. I rebuke, no, no. no. Four examples, what I believe in the Scriptures, are people who were not healed in the New Testament. Let me give them to you. Paul's thorn in the flesh, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. He's talking about you. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. For this reason, to keep me from exalting myself. That's not you. To keep me from exalting myself. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, Wait for it to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Now you can say, well, it didn't mean a physical ailment, and if he'd have had faith, God would have taken it away. Really, the Apostle Paul? Please don't give me Paul didn't have faith. <laughs> I mean, come on. The, 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 the possessed girl was following around, he casts it out. The sorcerer has given up problems. He speaks and he becomes blind. I mean, we're talking Paul here. Galatians 4 says this, But you know, this is Paul, that it was because of a bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you the first time. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God and as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Uh, Wait a minute, what? What? a bodily illness, and even though my illness was a trial to you, it was difficult for you to see Paul with that illness. Why wasn't Paul healed? Well, he just didn't believe. Not Paul. Timothy 4.20 Erastus stayed in Corinth. But I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Why did he leave him sick? Why didn't he heal him? Well, obviously, this guy had no faith. Uh, Paul did. And then one more place, Philippians. Yet I consider, considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. I love that name, Epaphroditus. My brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, for he longs for all of you and is distressed because he heard, you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not only to him but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. He didn't die. Now, he had to be sick long enough for them to hear about it and there were no telephones. Okay, this guy, I'm just saying there are examples whether you take all of them or not. To me and to most, many, a lot of theologians, there are enough examples in scriptures to say... There are moments when for whatever reason God decides, not normally, not usually, but there are moments when God says no. And I have personally met and love and like Johnny Erickson Tata. She did an incredible work in Poland. She brought all kinds of wheelchairs for disabled people. She's an amazing person. And her book, she said in it, time after time, meeting after meeting, well-meaning, loved, beloved Christians have come up to me and said, if you would just believe God, you wouldn't be in that condition. If you would get rid of the sin in your life, God would heal you. And she said, I have repented of things that my neighbor did. I have repented of everything I can ever think of. I have stood on faith, claimed it, named it, powered it. I have done everything. And God has chosen not to heal me. And I love God more because His grace is to me and He is more gracious and loving to me. When I'm not healed... All I'm saying is, by both today's example as well as in the Scripture, look, it's just not real. How many of you are wearing glasses? Raise your hand. (gasps) It's like a third of the people. How many of you go to the dentist? Why? Why doesn't God heal your tooth? Why do you go to the dentist? Oh, it's okay to pray for cancer but not for a cavity. It's okay to pray for diabetes, but not for eyesight. If we have faith, you'll be healed. Wait a minute. Then all of it. Your whole body. Now, there are those who claim that they lived their whole life perfectly healthy, never sick, never had the flu, never had a fever, never had a headache, never had an ache or pain until they died because of faith. I don't believe it. Anybody in this room? ever have absolute perfect health, then either you don't have faith, there's sin in your life, or God doesn't always heal everything supernaturally for a lot of reasons. I'm just being honest. I believe that sometimes God will heal us. Sometimes He will. Not even often He will. But I am going to say that I believe Scripture shows that sometimes He uses sickness for His glory. Listen listen to this. Now Jesus passed by. He saw a man blind from birth. From birth. How would you like to be blind from the time you were born? Never seeing the light of day, a color, a flower, a bird, the face of your mother, blind from birth. And the disciples said, Oh, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was blind? Jesus answered, It's not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. God chose to let that man be blind so that Jesus could come along and heal him, so that they could prove that Jesus is the Son of God. How would you like to be that man? Lord, use me. Okay, you're going to be born blind. Wait, hold on. Use him. I'm good. Lazarus. He gets sick. His sisters send a note. Jesus, Lazarus is sick. He doesn't do anything. He dies. Four days go by. He doesn't show up all the misery, all the anguish, all the heartache, all the pain, the tears, the weeping, all that time, and Jesus' words were, this illness does not lead to death, it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. There was a purpose for Lazarus to get sick and not be healed. There was a purpose for Lazarus to die so that he could be raised from the dead for the glory of the Lord. I'm going to say, in Johnny Erickson Tata's life, there is a purpose that God might be glorified. I'm going to say that it's not a lack of faith on her part. It's not a sin in her life. There's nothing wrong. She didn't do anything wrong. It's not that she needs to believe more. It's for the glory of God. Whether you believe it or not. Job, I mean, come on. God gave Satan permission. Boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Painful, oozing, incredibly bad boils all over his body not only did he lose his children his possessions everything except his wife who was bad anyway but he God God said God was like hey Satan you see my boy Job if I was Job I'd be like shut up (laughs) it's just me and you can you not say anything but God had a purpose and a plan Well, it's suffering. Lastly, this verse people don't like. Revelation 2.22, speaking to the church. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I am going to say that there are times when God will discipline us and bring things into our lives for our own good. God certainly wouldn't use sickness to discipline you. I will cast her into a sick bed. I don't believe that God normally uses sickness. But I believe sometimes he does. I'm, I'm saying that there are exceptions. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying when we pray we shouldn't expect to be healed. I'm saying that there, are, there is no way to absolutely definitively doctrinally say every single time amen. And there's no exceptions. Absolutely. And if there are exceptions then we need to be careful how we pray. That's the point of this. If there are exceptions, then it's not every single time, no matter what. We have to be careful how we pray. Now, I'm going to try to say this quickly. And boy, time is short. Oh my goodness. I don't believe that the scriptures say that on the basis of the work of the cross and the atonement, we are absolutely guaranteed physical healing. And let me show you why. Please just listen to me. I know what you're saying. Aaron, be quiet. I know what you're saying. (laughs) The cross, the atonement absolutely provided for us complete and total spiritual freedom. We are freed from our sins. We are freed from the power of the law, the curse of the law. We are freed from the kingdom of darkness. That is absolute. We are born again, new creations. God has done a miraculous work. Every single person sitting in this room is a living miracle and testimony to the work of the atonement. The fact that you are a child of God means God still does miracles. Okay? That is absolute. However, not every aspect of the atonement is experienced in a complete way. Did the atonement provide for us freedom from death? Isn't it part of the atonement? Then why do we all die? Because some aspects of the atonement are not experienced in its fullness yet. Are you redeemed? Let's go to him. Aaron, are you redeemed? Is that that a fact? But why does it say your body is not yet redeemed? We're waiting for the redemption of our bodies. Did the atonement provide redemption? But not every aspect of redemption is yet experienced. I'm going to say this. The atonement provides deliverance, healing, provision, prosperity, protection, but not in 100% fullness yet. That every aspect of the atonement is partial until we get to the other side. Death, redemption, healing, freedom. I am free from the kingdom of darkness. I am free from my sins. I am free from the punishment of the wrath of God. But I won't experience that until I stand in front of him and he says, you're free, life. Then I will experience that aspect. So that's all I'm trying to say. Look, the atonement provides many things that are not yet experienced in its fullness. And we can't, we have complete spiritual healing. We don't have complete physical healing. Does it provide for healing? Yes. Does it come provide for perfect health, as some of the faith teachers will say? No, it does not. It, it does not. I'm sorry. It does not. Perfect health means no glasses, no cavities. Um, I'm, I'm glad he's here. Would, would you stand up for me? This is a great brother, man of God. Stand up. How old are you? 81. Now that's a good age, isn't it? Not. Here's a godly man. Um, I've noticed your hair isn't the original color. <laughs> it's better. It's better. Are you aging? Yes. I thought we were free. Why are you experiencing the effect of aging? Uh, is that a hearing aid I see? Yes. Are those glasses that I see? Yes. Oh, he doesn't have face. <gasps> Fillings, hearing aid and glasses, that man has no faith. <laughs> when it says, "By his stripes were healed in First Peter 2:24, it's talking about salvation. Listen to the verse, and he himself bore our sins. Listen, our sins in his own body on the tree, that we have died to sins. Having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes? It's not talking about physical healing. It's talking about spiritual healing. It's talking about being freed from sins. That verse is misquoted. Oh, by his stripes I'm healed, spiritually and some to some degree and some extent physically, but not perfectly. The reason I'm saying all of this to you is because I am a man who struggles with sickness. Have my whole life. Started severe pain in my body when I was. 10 years old, at 12 years old, was diagnosed and have for my entire life struggled with serious illness. And a very famous preacher came here to Elam from Florida. I'll say no more. Very famous at the time. It was 1985. Held a meeting. This room, those weren't there. This, 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 this was packed. We had almost 800 people here. I mean, it was like sardines. He prayed for healing. He preached on healing. He called us up. There were 25 of us lined up. I was first. I had to have help getting up there. At that time in my life, it was severe. Okay, I had to have help. I was walking with a cane. I was in pain. And I'm standing there in front of him and he prayed for me and he claimed it in Jesus' name and he opened his eyes and he looked at me and he could see I was still in pain and partly bent over and he goes, you have no faith. And walk to the next person. And I thought, I have no faith and I went back to my room and I cried and I repented and I cried and I repented and I believed and I confessed and I claimed it and I cried and I repented and I was still sick and in pain and so I went to then it was David Edwards he was the president and I went into his office and I said brother what am I supposed to do I don't have enough faith to be healed and he looked at me and he said do you believe God loves you I said absolutely do you believe God is good I said absolutely then you have all the faith you need. That's faith. Think about it. When I'm in pain, God is good. That's faith. He may choose to heal me, he may not. Now you know what happened? The amazing thing? He got me over that little stupid thing that that brother said to me, and I said, you're right. And he prayed for me, and he asked then uh, the, the board, what used to be the school board back then, there were four brothers, they came in, uh, 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 Dean of Academics, uh, Mike Webster, Stacey Klein, uh, I forget who else was there, I think it was Hugh Smith maybe, no, that was before Hugh, Verna Smith, anyway, they laid hands on me, they prayed for me, and in two days, there was such an incredible change, I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, I've discovered that you have a severe infection that is affecting your disease. I'm going to give you some medication to deal with the infection. And when he did, within a week, I was walking without a cane. I had stopped being able to take notes. I couldn't write. My hands were too swollen and hurt. I couldn't carry my food, the tray. It was too too painful. My roommates were carrying my tray for me. And within a week, everything changed. Their prayer worked. Did God bring absolute healing? Full healing? No. No. Did I stop walking with a cane? Yes. My doctor told me by the time you're 25 you will be in a wheelchair and by the time you're 30 you will be blind. It is an absolute plan on it. (laughs) I believe in healing. I just think that we need to be careful when we pray. So when I pray for someone, I expect God to heal unless he's going to do something special. Do you hear me? I expect healing unless there's a reason why. So I pray first for discernment. I say, okay God, why is this person sick? Is it because they're stupid? And sometimes it is. Is it because you're doing something special? Is this the result of something that you don't want to change at this moment? Why, God? What am I? How am I supposed to pray, God? And then, based on how I feel and those around me feel, God is leading. I can either say, "Hey," and it happened. The couple that was freed from cigarettes—they tried everything. They tried everything. They tried medication patches. You name it. Nothing worked. They were so hooked. They would just go nuts. And God spoke to me. I'm, I'm standing there. I'm preaching. And while I was preaching, I looked out and saw them. And God said, "Today is the day. They just have to know." I'm telling you, it's the day. I finished the sermon. I walked down there. I got a hold of them. I said, come here. I said, I know you've been prayed for a thousand times. I know you've fasted. I know you've repented. I know you've done everything. But I'm telling you, God said to me, today is the day. And they went, okay. We prayed and they went outside. They took their cigarettes out of the car because they were in the car because they didn't want to bring them in church because they were embarrassed. And they threw them away and they never had a craving or a smoke again. Because God showed clearly what he was going to do. So you want to pray for healing. Don't just claim it until you ask for discernment. And then if God doesn't speak and you don't know, then you say, God, I'm hoping for it. I'm believing for it. I want it. Your will be done. Your timing, your way, the way you choose, whether it's natural through a doctor, whether it's not. You recently went to the hospital, didn't you? Did we pray first? Did God supernaturally heal? Did He naturally heal? Did He use the doctors? Sometimes God heals that way. He does. I'm sorry. Whether you like it or not, whether you agree with the doctrine or not, He does. So sometimes I'm going to pray, Lord, heal this brother, and you may do it supernaturally right now. You may do it through a doctor. You may do it in a year. I don't know when, I don't know how, and I don't know why, but I'm asking you to heal him, and this man is still here with us because God healed him using doctors. That's still God. My point is pray first for discernment. Don't just think automatically. It has to be right now. Because it's not always automatically, supernaturally. I'm sorry. I know some people believe differently. There's a woman, Dvorak, she wrote many books. And she wrote and I read last night. She said, no faith-filled believer should experience the effects of aging. You should have absolute perfect health until the day you die. Assuming that you live to be 80. Anything over 80, there's nothing there's no guarantee. Because God promises 70 or 80 years. I'm quoting. I'm quoting. You should have absolute health. That means no baldness. Sorry Andrew Andrew's like, I have no faith. I'm with you, brother. No wrinkles, no gray hair, no hearing aids, no wigs. Perfect health until you're 70 or 80. And she wrote, the effects of aging are part of the fall. God guarantees us perfect health. No, he doesn't. He guarantees us deliverance, freedom, and healing a lot. But not always supernaturally instantly. That's all. I want you to have faith. I want you to pray every time you're sick. Remember the king got sick, didn't go to God, and he died! Okay. Always go to God. Every sickness you go to God. If you don't know what God is doing and you ask for discernment and he doesn't tell you, you just say, God, your will, I'm hoping, I'm believing, God, I want it, I'm asking you for it, your will be done, and I'm just going to praise you no matter what you do. But most of the time, God will tell you what he's doing. He will give you some inclination. I go to God every single time, and no, I have never turned a person away who needed prayer for healing, ever. And many times they have been healed. And sometimes they weren't. That's how it works. Is there any healing ministry out there that has 100% success? Whose fault is that? Aaron, whose fault is that? No, don't, don't. (laughs) I pick on Aaron because we like to debate. I'm just picking on him. He's a good brother. He almost has good doctrine. Um, When he agrees with me, it's good. Just kidding. All right, so from now on, when you're sick, expect healing unless you're an exception. Do you hear me? Don't assume no, because that's the mistake on the other side. Well, most of the time, God doesn't heal, and He probably won't. But just in case, God, you know, if you're willing, and I know you probably aren't, but you know, I am here. Ah, no, no, no. That's the other stupid side. So do come with some expectation and confidence. Unless God's got a reason, and you're an exception, He's going to heal you. but he hasn't healed my eyes yet. And when I take these off, you guys are already blurry. The only thing I see clearly is my beautiful wife. She shines like the sun even when my glasses are off. I'm hoping for a good birthday present. Okay. I want to close with this. I want to close with this. Just a simple statement. I have faith in God himself. I have faith in the love of God. I have faith in the power of God. I have faith in the compassion of God. And I never for a moment doubt God's willingness and ability to do what is best for me. That is absolute. I don't worry about the outcome. I don't care. Because God knows what's best. And I trust him. I trust God. Whether he supernaturally or naturally heals, or whether he says not yet, or whether he says no. I don't care. God's still just as good. I have just as much faith in him, trust in him, confidence in him, and I accept God knows best. Always. Always. And I expect to see healings and deliverance. I expect the alcoholics to be set free. I expect Expect God to do miracles, and sometimes He doesn't. That's just a little
1: over here, okay? Come on, up. Pastor Tim. Thank you very much. That was a tremendous teaching. It was very well balanced, very biblical. We appreciate that so much. Can we give him another? Thank you for that. Let's stand for a favorite, please. Oh Lord, thank you. <clears throat> thank you more than anything else for the Word of God. That you've given us. It's quick and powerful and sharp any two-edged sword. And so, Father, we thank you that we can always bring the Word of God. And that is our truth. That is the path we walk. Thank you, Father, for uh, Pastor Tim and uh, and what you've given him for us. And, Lord, thank you for Elam that has adapted that kind of uh, theology and doctrine, while at the same time believing, knowing, that God supernaturally heals, and our brother brought that out in a very wonderful way. So God, uh, be with us now. Thank you. Let that seep in as we thank you and we praise you. Father, bless the food and the fellowship to follow uh, for lunch, because we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.